the Standing Orders podcast. So welcome to the seventh edition of the Standing Orders podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, Councillor Sue Lorne. Good evening, Thomas. How are you this evening? I'm very well, Councillor Lorne. How are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. Nothing exciting to report. All is good. Nothing too exciting report, except possibly the sound of stormy weather outside, as I understand it. Oh, yeah. It is, is extremely. It's, it's a very autumnal evening, and I think is we've just moved into winter, haven't we? And... Um, or have we still got four weeks left before we go? Yeah, I think we um, have. But I didn't want to argue time. with you so early on. <laughs> Why change things, Thomas? Why change now, things? This is going to surprise you, but I'm going to ask you if you can like either sit closer to your mic or if you look at those lights on top of your mic, could you put your finger like on them and just move them over to the right hand side because i can see like my voice seeming booming and yours seeming quiet which is really unusual because it's normally the other way around yes and it's not moving at all for my when i speak it's it's not moving at all oh now that's a bit better oh is it so i I, so i need to come even closer to i have to turn my mic into a nice lot ice cream yeah pretty much how many lights do you have on top of your mic by the way I don't have. They're underneath. Um, all of them. They're all lit up. Blimey! Your your mic should be the other way up. By the way, the light should be on top. I think. But it's okay. We'll uh, we'll, we'll sort that. I've got it. It doesn't make any difference to us. Oh no, but it does because you know the the, the slightly um, how can I put it fussy part of me likes to know that the lights, the are, the on lights are on top. And landing lights. Yeah, they're all good and they're all lit up, so it's it's not an issue. So you're loud and clear. Well, to the most well, part. I am anyway. loud and clear, but as you say, I'm not m- m- making like. Um, you know, like if you were in a theatre, operating theatre, and your heart rate's going up and down, mine's not doing that. Trust me, if I was in an operating theatre with you, my heart would certainly be going up and down. <laughs> There's no two ways about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is going to turn out that you're just talking to yourself. Yeah, it might be. And and to be fair, that would seem a lot like most of the council meetings that I attend. Um, <laughs> so, do you, do you, can I just ask, do you have on your screen, do you have a red light flashing? No. Where the time is? No. I, I, do you mean where it says stop? No, I haven't got a stop. I've got two, two minutes and 52 seconds. Yeah, but, but where's the red light? Next to the time. And it doesn't. It doesn't say stop. Okay. Maybe it didn't start. Well, we'll give it a try and we'll see where we go. Councillor. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just trying to stop you from talking to yourself. (laughs) I'm enjoying the dramatic pause. Okay, so so should we, uh, before anything else goes wrong, should we uh, should we try and get started? Okay, let's get started. Okay, so, so where the, were we? Well, I, I well actually, I, I think you were just talking about the weather, which makes for fascinating listening. Yes. I'm sure. Yes. Um, but I think we were. Um, I think we were going to say what we we're actually going to be talking about uh, this evening, which I think will be as much of a surprise to you as it is to anyone listening. Uh, because I thought actually, after a few slightly heavy weeks of um, of topics, uh, you know, death of the royal family, well, not 
all of the royal family, death in the royal family. Um, you know, looking at neutrality, talking generally about, you know, stuff like events. I thought actually maybe it'd be good to have a little bit of a discussion, first of all, about the changes in government that affect local councils. And then to talk about, um, I think a bit of, you know, frustration, which really is me channeling my frustration from the week that I've had so far um, and using so this as a bit of a therapy session. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Excellent. It's Excellent. therapy and I, I'm forcing people to listen to it, good, uh, good. which I think is the best type of therapy, really. Um, and no, before anyone asks, it's not a cry for help. Well, not yet. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see how, how much longer um, it goes on before it becomes a cry for help. But I thought, you know, it's we're individuals who, who work in local councils and actually we deal with um, other councils and we deal with, you know, other organisations. And so I thought actually it's a really good opportunity to say, actually, you know, we're human. We get a lot of the frustration that the public get and to see whether actually some of the frustrations we have are potentially frustrations that other people work in the sector experience as well. And it's that kind of therapeutic, you are not alone scenario. Yes, that's very true. That's that's a good way of looking at it. So to start with, um, I think it's almost like Back to the Future um, that we now have Michael Gove as the uh, levelling up secretary, which is the post he held uh, under Boris Johnson for some time until I think he was sacked for telling Boris Johnson he should go. And he's back um, after Rishi Sunak has, uh, has, as everyone has been terming it, done a reshuffle with the re spell ri like rishi which is a very clever media way of uh, of doing the reshuffle and so michael gove is back at uh the he department keeps turning up doesn't he he does he he i i think a few people have used the term you can't keep a good man down and that for some people will be a really apt way of describing Michael Gove and for others will be one that infuriates them no end. Um, so which is it for you, Councillor? I think he is, he is infuriating, I, but I think it, it goes back um, to when Boris was campaigning um, way back. For what? Was he campaigning for anything particular? <laughs> or was it just <laughs> like, like, much like Donald Trump, he just started campaigning? <laughs> he did when it was the Brexit issues and um, and Michael Gove and Boris were out there together. And then it was a case of uh, whenever everybody thought you know, Boris is going to stand up and he's going to, to take the lead on this. And then I, I think that Michael Gove then stabbed him in the back and well, said, actually, so, you won't be taking that role after all. I think and, potentially in, in hindsight, would, would some not see it as Michael Gove trying to save the country from a Boris Johnson administration? Oh, I don't think that's that's how it was ever going to be. And whenever you see how the election did go in uh, 2019, it uh, it was what the people wanted. So um, I think that things would have been very, very different if we'd have, um, you know, if things had been allowed to carry on as, as they were expected to way back. I mean, whenever. talking about the 2019 uh, Conservative leadership contest, I think, you know, there's that old saying, you know, nice guy comes second. Um, 
I think that's the saying, isn't it? You know, nice guys come second. And I think in, in this term, it was nice guys come third, because I think every time he has stood for the leadership, um, Michael Gove has come third, which, you well, know. That's telling you something, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, when you look at some of the people that have come first, I'm not entirely sure what it's telling me. But um, Do you really think that Michael Gove has got the potential to be Prime Minister? Um, I think Michael Gove has got an awful lot of potential as an individual. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge fan of uh, many Conservative politicians, especially at the moment. Um, But I would say, you know, I think Michael Gove has done some good in his political career. I think he's someone who you can say to the most part, says what he believes in. And uh, it may not always be popular, but he says it nonetheless. And I think, you know, we go through stages of wanting more conviction politicians. And then suddenly we get politicians literally that end up with convictions, particularly for partying. And then we decide we don't want them after all. And so we uh, we end up with a kind of mishmash in terms of what we end up with in personalities of uh, of leaders in the uh, in the Conservative Party. So I would say, you know, Michael Gove, I think when he was uh, involved in justice, he did some good work there. I think uh, him scrapping scrapping the criminal court charge, which basically was a government tax, which was added to uh, the fines accounts and the punishments for uh, people who basically couldn't afford to pay it. And it ranged from a few hundred pounds up to over a thousand pounds. And it basically put poor people even further in debt and pushed some people, you could argue, to committing more crime just to pay off courts fees. So he got rid of that. And uh, I think that was something that, you know, a number of organisations, barristers, solicitors, magistrates association were all campaigning for. And he listened and he did it. And so I think as a politician, all you can ask for is someone who will listen. And equally, uh, something which I think, you know, was another good thing he did was um, try and do the Glover review of national parks. And I think actually that could have gone a lot further than it did. And it could have looked at a lot more. And I won't get too kind of knee deep in my issues with national parks, uh, generally in national park authorities. But, you know, I think he's someone who makes an impact, good or bad. Um, and I think that that's what local government needs. And so he might be the chap to do it. Yeah. And, and you know, nobody goes. And as much as people think that and will say politicians are there for their own benefits and um m- would you say that, Councillor? <laughs> I think that I, I I find it hard to believe that whenever they first start out, that it's a case, oh, I'm here for my own benefits. I think really deep down, the majority probably, or maybe I'm just totally naive, think that maybe. they're there for their community. And then it's once they get into the um into the, I could say a few words that would describe it, but I'm not going to do that now. But once they get into politics and and see how things work, then somehow it all just goes so different. You know, it, they they don't come over as though they actually care about the community. They're more there for themselves. And that's not how it should be, as you're saying. You know, it should be somebody who's there, listens to what 
in the communities of all different um, levels is is saying, and then taking it forward and and making things change for for the better. And um, I think that maybe. I I can't say, you know, I don't know the man. I've never ever had a conversation with him. So I I can well, just I mean, he hasn't him. lived, has he? <laughs> no, he, hasn't. <laughs> he hasn't. I see how he, he's portrayed on the media. And uh, and I suppose I maybe I read between the lines that isn't there. And he is somebody who is there for, for the good of the, the country. We'll see how he goes this time around, but um, I'm hoping that I'm seriously hoping that he is going to take control of the situation that we're in in Norfolk at the moment, and uh, he's going to get um, things sorted so that we can get the developments up and running again. Oh, I this do- isn't going back to nutrient neutrality, is it? But it is his it is his role to to get this um, sorted and to get things moving again. And um, and I I'm hear, hoping. I think I can hear certain people at the mention of nutrient neutrality once again groaning with flashbacks of, mm. uh, of thirty minutes talking about crap. I know we're not going to do that again. <laughs> I'm just saying. I hope that he takes that task and he gets that sorted sooner rather than later. Um, you know, we've had a whole nine months of um, the situation and it's it's just crazy so it's his job to get it done if he can get this done by february next year then he'll get my he'll get my support the next time round but um he has to he has to start things moving well so, michael yes, so. you heard it here first if you want to get the support of sue lawn you know what you need to do <laughs> exactly i mean so, do you really think that that's top of the uh, top of the list i mean they're talking about devolution again and we will do a a podcast on devolution um in the future but i think you know, certainly for me, I know I keep banging on about this, much like you bang on about nutrient neutrality. Um, I just think, you know, looking at things like updating the way that meetings run, updating uh, virtual meetings so that members can attend virtually uh, would also assist with members of the public attending virtually. And I think, you know, COVID is on the rise again. Um, and, you know, I know it's a, a dirty word and lots of people don't like the scaremongering that goes with it. But for some people who are vulnerable, they still avoid, you know, public meetings. And I think, you know, if there were an option for members to join uh, virtually, it would then push uh Basically, it would push members to make decisions, to make council meetings more open, to make them more kind of accessible to members of the public virtually. And I think that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think virtual meetings were, was the best thing that could have happened, you know, as, that's come out of COVID for um, local government. It really, virtual meetings, we've had more attend, public attending meetings than you would ever get at virtual meetings than what you would ever get if you were to have them in the council chamber, especially when it comes to the planning um, applications and the planning committees. So I don't understand why we we can't keep it going. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. I can't believe <laughs> I can. I can readily believe it. <laughs> that's, that's never happened. That's never happened before, so you can't say that you can believe it. Wow. And who would be ringing me at this time? That's Michael Goat. He's on the phone. <laughs> you get my support. He's He's gonna give it, he wants my support. It's like, Sue, it's sorted. Neutrality's <laughs> done. What do you want done next? No, definitely. Virtual meetings is definitely the way forward for everybody concerned. 
concerned. And um, oh gosh, I can't stop it. <laughs> right. Okay. Apologies. Do you want me to pause it and you can answer it? No, 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 no. It's absolutely fine. Are you sure? Because you know, there's no, no, only no, no. It's fine. It's it's not a problem. It's it's nothing urgent. So, uh, I really thought that I had switched it off a little while ago. So back to virtual meetings. Yes, I think that's definitely the way forward. I think it gives the public uh, more opportunity to be involved and to see how things work. It um, it makes things more open as well for for the public to to see you know just how it's meetings progress. I think whenever it comes to members of the public walking in, you know, to any as a member of the public, you, you can attend any meeting um, that... Um, yeah, but fair play, give us a bit of notice first with your questions. Well, yes, if you know, but, but there's, there's nothing to say that I'm people joking, can't... I'm joking, I'm joking. No, but there's nothing to say that people can't just come to a meeting. You don't have to come to a meeting to ask a question. If, you know, somebody just wants to come and see how... There's nothing better on television. Uh, you know, come to a meeting and see how things work out. And it takes a lot of, you know... Um, courage to walk into uh, a council meeting of any kind. Tell me so about it. <laughs> especially when you're a CEO. But um, if you're if it's virtual, then you you don't feel as though you know you're you know people are looking at you thinking why are you here. It's it's just a perfectly natural thing to do. Yeah, it is. And, and I think as well the experience you get when you attend virtually is very different in terms of the information you receive. And I mean, things like being able to share screen. So particularly in planning meetings where planning members are looking often on, on large screens or projectors at uh, information on, on planning applications, actually being on the screen that's uh, that's kind of displaying it, being able to see the zoom in and zoom out is far better if you're sitting on the computer screen uh, with the screen being shared rather than, you know, sitting at the back of a hall and just about being able to squint and see the outline of the application members are looking at. So I think that technology offers a great deal more accessibility as well. And, and you know, if you're partially sighted or, you know, you're uh, deaf or have hearing issues, then the transcripts that are available along with virtual meetings actually make it far better. And equally, you know, if you have a disability mental, physical, and you don't want to go out into public places, again, it gives you access to information which otherwise you wouldn't get. And I think that's, you know, my quality speech done. But basically, yeah, I'm I'm a, a, a flag-waving supporter of virtual meetings and as much technology as we can get into local government to make it more accessible and lives easier as possible. Um, and now you'll, you'll hear me, I'll do a little sound effect for me, Stepping off my soapbox for this evening, <laughs> at least on this. No, it, it it definitely gets my my vote. Um, we definitely seen a lot more public participation in any of the meetings that we did as a town council or as a district council, and I thought it was a real shame whenever we 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 had to stop doing them. So this could be so. Michael Gove's criminal court charge in <laughs> the department for uh, leveling up I think is it leveling up housing and local communities is that yes. the um yes. is that it changes so much you know I think it's yeah leveling Every up housing of weeks. And communities and and you know, yeah. I, I mean, it's not exactly you know, DLUHC isn't doesn't exactly roll off the tongue like um, it used to. But 
there we are. I mean, I guess that's priorities for you. Um, so yeah, is there any any more love that you have for Michael Gove that you'd like to share uh, before we move on, Councillor? No, I'm happy for us to move on. Okay. Well, in in that we've case, we've enough of uh, <laughs> enough of our time this, this evening. Well, shall we move on then to uh, to what really makes us angry? Um, in local government. Um, and that's really because there are some things that really have frustrated me uh, recently. And I guess I can see in some ways why um, the public become sometimes so frustrated. I'm not going to excuse members of the public being kind of angry in, in terms of, you know, abuse and, and generally not behaving in a way that we would want people to behave. But I mean, it's just being I guess, exacerbated by how sometimes uh, they're treated by local councils. And, you know, I, th I think that as town and parish councils um, deal with district and counties, sometimes there's always that feeling slightly of, well, <laughs> I don't want to say contempt, but I think sometimes, you know, they do look down on town and parish councils um, when you have district council officers and county council officers, and they tend to think um, town and parish councils are deliberately difficult, um, that they can be slightly abrasive, and that actually they're to be pretty much avoided as much as possible because they're nothing but trouble. Now, this is a, a sweeping generalisation, and I know it's not the case in most instances, and we have a very good relationship to the most part with all the organisations, with the exception of maybe uh, the Broads Authority. Um, but I think otherwise we have a very good relationship generally with all the organisations that we, we deal with in Norfolk. But uh, I just kind of feel that, you know, there's an increasing amount of, of well, as one officer put it, um, sometimes they do sound a bit like a job's worth. And I think, you know, as we're kind of seen as, as being quite straight as town and parish councils, that this is what we do and this is how we do it. Um, I think that actually district councils and county councils are becoming slightly more, well, slightly more difficult basically to deal with yeah i i totally understand what you're saying it, it is a case of um there's the first tier and the second tier and um and then county as a as the third tier i, I i'm not so sure that i think that um county would hold parishes or towns um in in that light i think that maybe it would be more on a district situation that they would because they're in the middle and i think that they oh, because they're the filling in the shit sandwich <laughs> i don't believe you just said that <laughs> yeah. but no it is it is a case that they probably deal with the towns and parishes more than what the county officers would do. So they get town and parish fatigue a lot quicker. <laughs> <laughs> and and they just, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. That is, you know, it, it seems as though oh, if you're in a parish, you're just a small parish, you're just a small fish in, in a big ocean and, and we're, you know, we can swim faster and, and we can do things much better than the new because you you don't have the experience of um what you know the district deals with and and the county but i really would would like to see that 
and you can't, it's not possible. But it, I think that if an officer was to start as a town and parish um, officer and then move move themselves up, they would be more understanding of what the situation is as a town or parish council. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. And, and I think actually when you look at um, like the apprenticeships that they do and, and some of the kind of internships they do for like graduate schemes and, and stuff like that, I think actually having a period embedded in town and parish councils would do an awful lot for understanding how town and parish councils work. And I think equally, like you say, you know, districts may not understand the, the amount that town and parishes deal with, because when you say, you know, sometimes, you know, district councils take the view that, you know, we deal with so much more than than towns and parishes, where, you know, having worked in a town council, having worked in a district, having worked at a unitary, um, I see it completely differently. I see that you will never find the kind of rounded local government officers often at district than you will at town because, you know, they, they tend to be in a specialism that they will just focus on one area without necessarily looking at what else is out there and what other services are being provided by who. And to be honest, I, you know, I always celebrate the fact that we're like the one-stop shop. If it's a, a county or district issue, just give us a call. We, we will channel you in the right direction. If we can, we'll take the issue, we'll put it forward on your behalf so it isn't local government past the parcel. But I think increasingly, you know, there's just a, a lack of understanding as to actually who does what. And I think what a lot of kind of clerks and, and CEOs have really struggled with is some district councils saying, you know, we want to be almost seamless with our town and parish councils. It doesn't matter who deals with what, let's just get it done, which is great if you're a district council with thousands of staff or hundreds of staff. But when you're, you know, a town or parish council with, you know, either a single officer or, or you know, you know, maybe a dozen, maybe two dozen officers, you know, it's still a lot more difficult to do this. But I think there are some huge strengths in that. I think town and parish councils are far more agile. I think we can do far more and we can do it often a lot quicker and we don't get as bogged down in, in bureaucracy and politics as the districts do. Yeah, but again, that's very much dependent on the officers, um, isn't it? You know, um, and uh, I guess, you know, some some parish um, a CEO town clerks. I, I can see you're trying to be as diplomatic as possible, which I think is really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't actually have the experience that, that some others do. But going back to, um, you, you were saying, um, whenever you first, oh, the experience that you've had. So when you, did you first go into a district council? Did, had you had experience as a, a small parish town council before you then went no. To Cardiff? No, and, and Cardiff was a unitary, and so that was, was very different. Although it did have some parishes, there was really no interaction uh, between the two. Which so then you- how did you feel about the smaller councils? Did you look, did you think that, you know, that as a unitary that you were a level above and, and you didn't, you know, why, why should you be dealing with the smaller councils? You know, it sounds really bad, but because I, I wasn't directly dealing with the smaller councils, I never gave it too much thought. Mm. Um, and then when I, I moved across, um, 
to be honest, I don't know what I expected, but I can tell you this actually. I still look back and it's now like, uh, you know, a long time it, ago. It, yeah, it, it, it is a long time. Um, but you know, I can still feel that excitement as when I first walked through the door um, and took over and kind of got my feet under the desk a bit, got to learn about the community I was then working in, um, looked at opportunities and what we could do and how we could do it and tried to kind of do that engagement with the community and try and push things forward and change things. And and even now, I think, you know, I, I come across things in, in local councils and I think, actually, you know what, there's some really exciting opportunities here. And I was reading an article this week and it was about how, you know, increasingly councils should look at treating some of their services like startups and they should, you know, basically do a, a business plan and they should be as agile as a startup in finding their feet and in trading and doing things, not necessarily in setting up companies, but just to kind of think, actually, we could do this like a startup. Let's look at this afresh and break things down a bit so we can be far better at delivering. And I thought, actually, you know what? I think that there is far greater opportunity in town and parish councils to do that than there is in some of the larger councils. And I think actually if it works on a on a smaller level, on a kind of micro level, I think actually yeah. the opportunity then to learn as the tiers go up is, is far greater. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with you. When we when you think back to lockdown, we you know when we when we first went into lockdown, we were coming up with some pretty good ideas for the community. And they were then being rolled out through the district, weren't yeah. they? You know, some of the things that I can't think of them off the top of my head right well, now. There, I mean, there, there was lots of stuff to do with, you know, cashless people at the time. Yes. Um, you know, there yes. were some people struggling with uh, with getting cash um, and some people who were obviously isolating, had no cash and wanted shopping done and couldn't access online services. And so we rolled out a series of, of gift cards and, and various things like that that were available to people. Um, and it didn't involve us taking money from people. You know, we had the whole transaction set out. And actually, in the end, it was something that some of the larger supermarkets also did. Not saying they got the idea from us, of course, but, oh, you know, the district did. then, well, obviously they definitely did. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I just don't want Sainsbury's after me. Um, but, uh, Basically, yeah. And, and you know, the district did it. And, uh, you know, we rolled out things like excess produce from allotments, uh, medication deliveries and various things like that, that actually then, when we started to roll these things out, uh, the districts looked at it and thought, actually, you know, this could yeah. work um, a lot wider. And, and it did. And so, you know, not saying that it was an award winning effort, but it was. Oh, I think actually, it was. We just didn't get the award. No, we did get the award. Jesus, you know, this is why you don't celebrate our successes enough, town mayor. (laughs) (laughs) We will get our award one day. But um, yeah, so I think, you know, I think there's far greater opportunity at town and parish council. I think sometimes um, district and and counties think that perhaps we're too straight-laced and we're too kind of firm in our beliefs as to this is what's right and this is what's wrong. Um, and I think, but, are we more determined? Are we, you know, thinking this is our community? Well, you are. You're, you're far more determined. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, you know, and, and as you said, you know, you, you, you see these things and you think, okay, let's, let's move forward this way. But because it's, our community, then we are, you know, this is what we want and we want it to happen and we make it happen. But 
because they're not district and county, aren't actually part of the community as such. Do they then just think, oh, okay then? I think they have to look at everything more strategically. And and I think, you know, the one thing I enjoy about uh, being kind of being involved in larger as well as, you know, smaller town and parish councils, but but you know, looking at how larger town councils work, you get that element of strategic oversight. <clears throat> but you also get to, you know, then deliver on a day-to-day level, which actually improves people's lives. And you can have real impact on some really important stuff, which are delivered as, you know, sometimes a strategic service and you link up with other communities and you link in with some of the priorities that are set uh, nationally or, or, you know, regionally, but actually you get to see it through to delivery. And I think that's the one thing, you know, when I looked at careers, I looked at, you know, potentially, obviously, an academic career is something that kind of would have been a natural step for me um, in terms of what I could do with with a PhD. But actually, the one thing that I would have missed is actually the impact. I think as a researcher, what you often do is you look at an issue, you then kind of, you know, you do your primary research, you do your secondary research, you then come out with a set of recommendations, bits for someone else to deliver those recommendations. And I think that's where I would struggle because I like to see things through. And I think that's what towns and parishes enable you to do is to actually see a community change around the decisions that are made. And, you know, there aren't many jobs that enable you to do that. This is the thing. And it's not, as you say, it's you've got all the different aspects of the community life that you you deal with where at district you're in a department and you're dealing with that one department. So you have a very different... Yeah, and and I think, oh, in the nicest possible way, there are so many more places to hide in a district and a, and a county. Um, and so many if you, more places, so many more tables to push that paper around on. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you see it in a lot of places. It's very difficult in a town and parish council um, to do that because it's so recognisable, because there is nowhere to hide, because ultimately, you know, decisions are made and enacting those decisions, your members are going to be sitting in the community expecting to see it. At district council, they'll make a decision, you know, perhaps it will happen in one community, perhaps it will happen in another, the chance of those communities talking together, well, how's that going to look? So I think you do get more more bang from your buck with, with town and parish councils. But I will say, you know, I, I just, I think there are less, I think the, the perception from other councils is potentially you get more jobs worths in town and parish councils. But I think from, from that tier, you then look upwards and you think, oh no, actually, you know, the, we are the way we are because actually we, we have to be to get things moving and to get things yeah. done for the communities that we serve. And you care. That's the, that's the difference. And when we, when we, we, this isn't what we're talking about. Isn't necessarily a criticism of um, any particular council that we know or any officers that we know. Um, this is just generalisation, and um, I just want to clarify that the team I work with worked with at Broadland, where um, 
that that wasn't there was never a situation where they were pushing the paper around on the table they worked very hard and um and did a great job so um we're just generalizing aren't we thomas we are indeed absolutely and i can say just as a live update for you uh councillor obviously we are as we're recording days away from the annual firework display of which Politis is a sponsor at Thorpe St Andrew yes. and I can tell you I've just had a message to say 4,100 tickets have been sold in advance and just in the past hour we've had 125 tickets go um, and so yeah actually you know well actually no I say 125 tickets 125 QR codes which can be from one tick up to four yes. tickets um, and so yeah, the numbers are certainly going up and up and up. And so, are you are you excited? Is this your favourite event? I know you love Christmas, but yes. uh, do, do you Christmas like the is economy? my favourite event? But I love the fireworks. As long as it's not going to rain, everything oh, will be rain. absolutely perfect. Never rains just... in sunny Thorpe St Andrew. <laughs> We've had a fair few of them, but it, I think it's just the the build up. Um, you know, because. Everybody loves fireworks as much as people sit and say, oh, you know, you, you have to what think about, about the, the animals. And <laughs> what about the dogs? I know. So, but it's, it's just for a very short time. And, um, and we talked about events um, a couple of weeks ago. And it was a case of, you know, saying, by us doing this as a community in Thorpe St. Andrew, People aren't setting off their own fireworks. Exactly. Fireworks to buy to, to set off at home are hugely expensive. So whenever you put the cost of what we, um, you know, what we charge to, to get, we don't need to make a profit. It's good that we do make a profit because then that pays for Christmas, as I said before. We just need to cover the cost so we can keep it cheap. But this way as well, the, the area that we, that we all live in, is going to have a firework display for, what, 13 minutes? And then that's it. So we shouldn't have it. Somebody setting off fireworks at half past five in the evening, somebody setting them at six, seven, and all the way through. Most and then can, whenever can I just the say, you, goes you, you off cut out for, oh, that was good. Um, That's really lovely. You did, just as you were getting to the good part. Although oh, no. I, I, I say you were getting to the good part, I hope you were getting to the good part because the bit up to when you paused was bloody boring. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so fingers crossed you were getting to a good part. Otherwise, just going to be deleting that bad boy straight out. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least if I cut out, at least that means that it's, it's going somewhere because um, my line is still totally straight on my screen. So where did I get to? Where was my rant going to, to tell you that how exciting it is that uh, whenever the first firework goes off? Did you hear that bit? Yeah, I, I no. Um, but I think you... <laughs> <laughs> When that first firework goes off and everybody's eyes goes to the sky, then it's just amazing. You know, that's that's a wonderful, you know, to think that we worked as a group, as a team, to make this happen and everybody's enjoying themselves is is fantastic. Yeah, it it is. And I will say you know, I love the cold weather. I love how crisp it is um, on firework night. I love a little bit of dampness in the air. I love just the whole lot, really. It used to be um, I would dread, uh, I would dread events, um, but I've, I've moved past that. 
um, the the stress that used to be there for the first few that I did um, of, oh my God, what could happen um, has dropped significantly only because I feel that we, we now have you know such good delivery that the the town council has such good directly employed staff and so actually um as contractor coming in it is so easy to to oversee these things because actually nine times out of ten i only hear about issues um like kind of i only ever hear about things if there are issues and there are so few of them um that actually everything just runs smoothly and it makes life so so easy when there's a lot of enthusiasm uh for them but yeah so 4100 uh tickets and uh that should i'm sure pay for a few christmas lights uh yeah, as well next well, year definitely but the other thing that you have to remember is that we've been building up over the years we've now got a template that is is perfect and now we just roll with it. Each year we were doing it. The stress was there. The, the one, the least roll with it person I have met, <laughs> Councillor, is, is you, the, the person who you will not just go with the flow, who no. will say, no, no, this is what we can do to make things great. But this is the thing. So each year we, we would look and we would say, okay, that didn't. That, that could have been better or this could have been better or that didn't work. So then the next year we remember all those boxes and we tick them and think, right, okay. But now we have ticked every box. I sit and say this and God, something's going to go wrong. But we have ticked every box so that it is literally, you just, what, six Start weeks before? scanning those QR codes through the gate and everything <laughs> comes together beautifully. Yeah. And this is it. Last year was the first year that we used the, the QR codes. So that was a worry. Was that going to fall? Was that going to, you know, were we going to lose the, um, the, you know, the signals so that we couldn't scan the codes? Um, so that was all a bit of a worry. Still a bit of a worry, actually. I wish I had Oh, it'll be fine. You worry too much. <laughs> it'll be fine. But no, so th- this is the thing is we put the hard work in and now we're reaping all the benefits of that hard work. And hopefully the community will have a fantastic evening. They will. I have absolutely no doubt. And so I think this will uh, this will definitely go out before uh, November the 5th. And so in the next podcast, we'll talk about what an amazing success it was. And then we'll be doing a countdown to the Christmas event as yes. well with a bit of remembrance in the middle. And uh, I think we may even try and record some of the next podcast actually at the fireworks. <laughs> And then we were saying, oh, we won't have a stressful evening. It'll be a nice, relaxed <laughs> evening. <laughs> okay, let's just record. The, the, oh, It'll be seriously. fine. It'll be fine. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. <laughs> Is there anything else this evening that you wanted to uh, you wanted to cover? No, I think it's been good. And it's can been I a just good say evening. thank you for being so gentle with me? As you know, I had a trip over the weekend that took 27 hours to get me back to the UK. And I had an overnight stay unexpectedly in Bulgaria. And in working on a project this week, I have been doing some slightly longer days than usual to get uh, something filed in time today. And so. I am a little bit fatigued, um, but with the help of uh, plenty of coffee, um, plenty of, I will say, cake and uh, excitement from uh, from Debbie and Rachel, uh, I am 
you know, just about peaking in my in my sugar level. And yes. so thank you for going easy on me this evening, Councillor. It was a pleasure, Thomas. And I just hope that we never have to go through another journey like that. Fingers crossed. So from now on, it's direct flights. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying something, Councillor, no, and then I cut know. you off. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to see if, if what I said is recorded. So, so, uh, so I've stopped the ending for you to ask me to double check that what's happened has been recorded. Hold on. Let me get the ending out of the way for you. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politis. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at politisconsulting.co.uk. See you next week. There we go. Now you can uh, now you can air all your concerns that things haven't yeah. recorded at all. Well, you'll just have to see how it goes and we'll have to do it all over again.